Greetings, ladies and mendigants, and welcome to this latest episode of Tales from Outer Space. Taken from the subreddit HFY. The links to all the stories will be down below, and as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider subscribing. Story number one, Merchant of Death, written by Nockham Davis. Humans are a peculiar race. I heard of them before, a loose group of aliens in an uncharted region of the galaxy. One of their many nations had managed to defeat the Rai Kavush, which in itself was a monumental achievement. Overnight, those young upstarts made waves, though not for the reasons you may think. You see, most of us, we knew better. No one beats the Rai Kavush. No one has the firepower or the numbers. Also, I thought, but one human, one simple peddler proved me wrong. I am Altarian of the Maltarian Confederacy. We control three systems full of resources, full to the brim with our kind. Sure sounds like a lot until you look at our history and realize that until ten human years ago, we controlled fifteen. Blame the card of. They have bled their space dry and were looking for more, deciding the Confederacy had what they needed. They pushed us back hard before we even knew what they were coming. They took three systems before the Council got wind of the invasion. The fleet tried their best, but uh, were isolated people. We only had so much territory because no one paid us any mind, meaning we had very little experience fighting a war. Not that most people would with the Rai Kavash or the Oro Covent around. Before long, refugees were flooding to the inner systems and trade section 47. My station became a temporary housing area for refugees waiting on a permanent shelter on the surface of the planet. We knew that they were coming, and we were hoping that they'd leave the station unmolested, seeing as there was nothing to gain from its destruction. Nonetheless, we were absolutely terrified, talk eyes clacking in worry when the hyper-footprint appeared on our scanners, one large enough to be the corridor of space battleship. But it wasn't. It was a single ship of unknown design, loudly broadcasting a message that we couldn't translate. But we didn't detect a weapon signature, so we cautiously sent them the coordinates of a docking bay. The strangers didn't speak our language, which was normal. We are Maltarians, have a fallback, our telepathy. Shame you can't send telepathic messages over comms. Someone should really work on that. Or get the Domeo Sapiens to give up their tech. Apologies for getting sidetracked anyway. The first person to disembark the ship was a short Adian, about 162 centimeters, two-thirds the size of an adult Maltarian. They didn't even flinch when I spoke to their mind, which told me that they'd been exposed to telepathy before. Apparently, this was a human, a woman calling herself Josefina Perez, a freighter captain from a place called Mexico. Later, I learned it was a place of the human world called Earth. She said that she was technically making first contact, but really she was just looking for a place to take on some goods and sell at home and give her crew some rest. And the seedy joint was perfect. We didn't exactly have the space due to the refugees, but the station master never says no to business on the station. So, of course, I said yes. Her ship, the Queen Celeste Class Freighter, had a crew of 20 other humans, which struck me as odd. Her ship 
was massive, a kilometer, a human measurement, in length, and should have had room for three times that, plus the cargo space. But she waved me off when I questioned her. Instead, she wanted to know all about my people, saying that her leader, something called an emperor, would love to deal with us. I had my doubts, but whatever. In my office, which had a small window overlooking the sparsely populated planet below, we exchanged stories. She was from the main nation, the one that claimed victory over the Raikavash. She called them the Solarian Empire, say that it was the oldest human nation in space and how their homeworld is a capital. Until humanity, the idea of multiple different nations and the same species made no sense. But as I said, humans are a peculiar people. I told her about the Confederacy and she seemed interested, even asking the poor mundane specifics, mostly about culture and religion. I told her about the Arla, the place where those who've brought harm to others are sent, dragged down by demons. She counted that with a place called Hal, where a servant of her god was cast out of his followers for their rebellion, and the souls of humans that refused to accept the message of her god were sent and be tortured for all eternity as well as those that took their own lives, and a myriad of other reasons. It was a horrible place by the sounds of it, and I was honestly disgusted by it. Even with the notion of paradise for the faithful, she seemed to notice my dismay. Unusual for a race that we just met, so she talked about her past. Seven spawn mates, three males, four females, and all of them joined the nation's military. Though, while her spawn mates, which she called siblings, went into the ground forces, she chose the fleet, or, as she stressed, the Solarian Navy, a fleet in formation in human terms. Either way, it struck my interest, so I asked about her experience. She told me tales of pirate hunting, peacekeeping, and the one that really got my attention was the story of a border clash with another human nation back when she commanded what was called a light cruiser before she retired and brought her current ship, CMV Gabriel the Messenger. Now, there was a standing order that we didn't discuss current events with aliens, especially ones that might put us in bad light, but I felt that this was no harm in it, and I started telling her about the Kordov and the inevitable encroaching on our home world. Had I known humans as well as I did, I wouldn't have gone into much detail. But I was inexperienced with her kind and didn't know what the slow change of her face meant. She was warm and smiling when I was talking, but by the time I finished she looked, um... Her face was hard as an armor of a warship and her eyes could have doubled as targeting for missile batteries. She started asking about defenses and the strength of our fleet, which I was ashamed I couldn't answer. She told me that she'd have a talk with her people about this, but I initially brushed it off. She left soon after that, back to their ship. Not long after that, Station Control reported that she had sent a burst transmission off into the void without having reported her intentions. This was a breach conduct, a transmission tended to alert Kordov, but she was a guest and a new one at that. She didn't know any better. The next cycle, her crew began unloading containers from a freighter, which turned out to be supplies. Cloth that could be used to cover one's body, food that the humans ate, water, and various luxury items that could be sold for a decent amount. I told her that we wouldn't find much business here, at least not for the price of some of her stuff would fetch due to the refugees, but she just waved me off. 
She said that these were donations. Humans had a policy for helping those in need. Humanitarian aid, she called it. Fitting that the term meant to provide assistance had their name in it. The refugees usually would have swarmed the workers, but she kept them at bay with the firm words and a rather judicious waving around of what she called a baseball bat. Once the crowd was under control, they began passing out supplies, though warning that the food was meant for humans and couldn't be guaranteed safe. Luckily, it wasn't too far off, though I heard it caused many digestive issues. It was a great help and eased the stress of the station logistics. Perez informed me that she'd be called her people, specifically her navy, and had told them of the situation. Even if shield base, I'm guessing the command station of a navy, didn't want to get involved in our war, they'd still send more aid. In fact, she guaranteed that there'd be a supply ships coming. When I told her that the Cardoff could attack supply ships in the past, she laughed, telling me that if the Cardoff could get past their escorts, they deserved the kill. Humans have a bit of an egotistical streak, it seemed. She did, however, make a single trade. She traded me all the supplies for a translation program. Apparently, her people would make one quickly if they had the database of our language. I was glad to provide it, and two of her people vanished into the ship and never came back out, supposedly to get to work. Two cycles later, the fateful day came. I was called to the station control as a large hyperfootprint was detected. The Corps of Armada had finally arrived and were heading into the system. It was the majority of their forces, 30 ships in all, led by the two super battleships. This wasn't a raiding party, this was a force meant to conquer and destroy. We were broadcast our non-combatant status, we were promptly ignored in detecting shields being raised. Trade Station 47 had no weapons and only basic shielding to protect from debris. So the Armada would be making quick work of us. As I prepared myself for the ritual of death, as I knew the refugees were, I received a strange message. CMV Gabriel the Messenger was requesting permission to depart. I granted it, waiving the docking fees, as I knew the freighter wouldn't just be vulnerable if it stayed, then the last thing her empire needed was to be dragged into the war. With the stories she told me about the border clashes and piracy, they must have had so few ships to spare. To my surprise, however, the ship was on an intercept course for the approaching armada. The massive ship burning away at speed it shouldn't have been able to achieve. I calmed Perez to ask what she was doing, and she told me that she couldn't sit back and just watch the unarmed innocents were slaughtered. It was against her moral and religious code, and was against the oath she took when she joined the Solarian Navy. When I reminded her that she too was an unarmed innocent, she only laughed. She told me that that was the point, before she cut the line. I heard her order the Spanish Inquisition, though at the time the term was meaningless to me. As the freighter approached, the Yamada ignored it. Excuse me, I forgot the humans referred to the ships as she. They must have thought that she was harmless as they waited for the comm to come into range. The human ship may have been as large as a super battleship, but the translation program allowed them to broadcast their status as a freighter. She moved past the screening units unscathed as the super battleship's plasma cannons began charging. No matter... How powerful the shields may be, a Cordorf Super Battleship's main guns were powerful enough to slag a warship's armor. I watched in horror as I saw the suicidal range she was at. 
At that range, the Kordov could have thrown rocks that hit her ship. And then... There was a massive surge in energy before the super battleship shuddered like a wounded animal. I was in shock as the energy surge had come from the human freighter. We detected it again as the super battleship began venting atmosphere, as the other ships around it finally realized that something was up. As Gabriel began the turn through the interference, I finally picked it up. The human freighter was running on energy weapons, though at a size vastly smaller than anything the Kordov have ever managed to achieve. Explosions at the side of the freighter made my heart skip a beat until I realized that she'd fired missiles, now streaking towards the light ships. Cordov missile defenses were impressive, with rarely a missile getting in. So imagine my surprise when the missiles all detonated before impact, just out of range of the Cordov plasma missile's defenses and more energy searches were picked up. The humans were firing missiles that themselves fired small energy weapons. The lasers ripped through the unprepared ships, killing all but one, which started to lump away before three more missiles ran it down. And then their luck changed. The entire Marder had changed their plans and decided to focus their fury on one ship. Though by now, we could all pick up the impressive array of weaponry on board. I suddenly realized why there was so little room as we counted. On each side, five energy weapons, five plasma weapons per side, three launchers, and a single mass driver. As the enemy opened fire, the shields fled, actually taking the brunt of the damage as more missiles streaked away from the ship. The injured super battleship was hit with a pair of kinetic rounds, shattering the shield seconds before the plasma bolt slammed into her armor, adding to the hellacious damage that the first two energy barrages dealt. Everyone knew kinetics were a perfect counter to shields, but the size of the weapon plus the ammo requirements meant that few fleets used them. As we approached, mesmerized by the back and forth, my mind turned back to the first conversation with Perez. When she mentioned her religion's howl, I made up my mind that a crew had to be escaped followers of the rebellious servant, because not once did their weapons on Gabriel slow their rate of fire. You could accurately time the reload speed of the missiles and the mash drivers as they fired with precision that no Maltarian could have matched under that much enemy fire. And there was a lot of it. As powerful as the humans' first attacks had been, the element of surprise was lost and the ship had too large to be able to avoid all the plasma and missiles thrown their way. But they still fought on. More and more the card of ships fell, but we began noticing less fire from Gabriel. I finally worked up the nerve to calm the ship, and Perez answered. She was a mess, her head frazzled, a red substance on her face, and I learned later to be their blood. But her eyes had a fire in them, and she was grinning like a mind had left her. I told her to leave. She'd done enough and didn't need to sacrifice her crew. But she told me something in a language that I later learned to be Spanish. The only word I remember is mother. She sent another burst transmission to the station encrypted and asked me to give it to her people. I told her to give it to them herself, but she shook her head, saying that her weapons were already glitching and that she had enough power left to fire the hyperdrive. I told her not to, that her religion says that she'll go straight to hell. The last words I ever heard from her were telling me that someone had to drag these bastards to Erla. CMV Gabriel the messenger fired her hyperdrive and, knowing what I do about astrogation, had disabled all of the safeties and set the destination as the exact point where they were at. 
The freighter ripped a part of fabric of space, bleeding the radiation of hyperspace into normal space as the detonation engulfed the majority of the light ships around her, making a final shipment of death to the enemy. When the hyperblindness that inflicted us had faded, my heart fell. For all of her sacrifice, for all of her hard work, one of the super battleships remained, as well as three of her screen. But they were slower. Either she'd count them, or they damaged their engines. It didn't matter either way, as the Kordov were approaching Star. They would be in range in a quarter of a cycle, but it was far longer than we expected. It gave us enough time to try and come up with a lottery on who we could evacuate on a few sublight shuttles so that the refugees could die on the surface of the planet instead of suffocating in a vacuum. They were in range by the time we had the two shuttles loaded. I stood on the observation deck facing the enemy. I had decided that I would be the first to die. At least symbolically, I closed my eyes and I waited for death. It never came. They should have fired by now, but before I could theorize as to why they hadn't fired, an excited voice came over the comm from a young technician, still in the station control. Another hyperfootprint had been detected. When I pulled up the feed, I had to demand the technician check the sensors for damage, but he reported that the sensors were undamaged. 350, ranging from 375 meters to six behemoth ships over five kilometers in length, had entered the system with an unknown IFF tag. 350 ships were larger than the Confederate fleet and the Court of Armada combined, but it was the transmission that told me all that I needed to know. A visual feed was established, revealing a human man in a red uniform with a face that matches Perez's back when I told her about our situation. He announced himself as Rear Admiral Alex Cortez, the commanding officer of Task Group 32.7 of the Solarian Navy on a relief mission, and that the system was under their control. The Cordov mustn't have understood a single word, but uh, you could have been an idiot to not recognize the superior firepower and the willingness to use it. But I also never said that the Cordov were smart. They turned their weapons to the new arrivals, but never got a shot off as the humans opened fire, turning the remaining four ships into free floating atoms before Cortez asked me who was in charge and for a status report. I had never been so happy in my life to see an alien. The avian-looking Baltarian with stork eyes and three legs in a tripod arrangement finally finished his story. The fine hair on his chest puffed out with emotion, the Maltarian equivalent of holding back tears. He stood before the thick desk that separated him from the man in a simple lavender suit, stroking his beard, the long hair tumbling down to his shoulders. The station master of Trade Station 47 had completed the final request of Josefina Perez, delivering her encrypted message to the people. However, he didn't expect Emperor Rudolph I would want to hear the events of the battles of Colet for personally. Station Master Makravac, was it? I appreciate you coming to tell me this personally. I had my theories when Admiral North told me one of his reserve officers had made contact and was demanding assistance, but nothing of this magnitude. While you were traveling here, I sent a message to your council. The Samarian Empire will send, free of charge, any aid needed to alleviate the effects of war of aggression. I have also informed the Cordov that under no circumstances are they to enter your space. 
as my ships have orders to use lethal force. Task Force Orion has been dispatched to begin to retake your lost systems, and a team from the Minister of Foreign Affairs is on their way to your capital to discuss the terms of the treaty. A week ago, Magravac would have been absolutely floored at the amount of diplomatic and military power these humans had to casually swing about. But at this point, nothing surprised him. Your Majesty, you said that you had theories. May I ask what they were? Rudolph smiled and he reached under his desk before standing up, holding up a box and bundle of cloth in his hands. They were about how a run in with the Kordov would have gone, and I was not let down. And since Captain Perez deemed it necessary to show the Corps of what humanity does to his enemies, it is my turn to show the Maltarian Confederacy how we treat our heroes. He set down a bundle on the table and opened the box. The Imperial Medal of Heroism, the Imperial Senate, has it awarded to any member of the Solarian military that displays gallantry, courage, and self-sacrifice above and beyond the core of duty. Though Captain Perez was a reserve officer and technically off-duty in a private armed merchant cruiser, she had no oath or duty to defend your people, nor was she under any orders. But she did, and so the Senate deemed it worthy enough cause to bend the rules and awarded this. Rudolph carefully unwrapped the bundle of cloth, revealing a ceremonial sword and a gilded scabbard. The station master gave the emperor a curious look, but he held his beak. He learned swiftly the human leader liked to teach. The order of Gunther is something that I personally give to those that I feel I have performed a great service for the Solarian Empire, or for humanity as a whole. However, today I am expanding the order because the galaxy is getting larger, and I can no longer, in good conscience, not recognize those sacrifice for those that are not of their own kind. So I, Rudolf Gernhardt Gunther, Emperor Rudolf I of the Silurian Empire, posthumously inducted Josefina Perez into the order with the rank of Knight Captain. He sat on the desk next to the two awards as the Maltarian processed everything. Your Majesty, he started to ask, choosing his words very carefully. My people have similar things that we can award, but uh, I must ask... Why are you presenting this to me as if I am receiving it? Rudolph couldn't help a grin at the alien walked right into his carefully laid trap. Because you are. You see, Captain Perez didn't tell you the whole story. Her siblings all died in the Rockavush incursion. Her parents died long ago, and she had no one but a crew. And, as of a week and a half ago, you and your people... So, by tradition, the awards are given to your people to safeguard. Perez was human, yes, but through her actions she became a Maltarian, at least in spirit. Yes, I did some research on your religion and as you traveled, and I also spoke with the Pope, the man at the head of her religion, while Perez did in fact take her own life. She did so to save the lives of others while in the defense of the innocent. She isn't being punished, as you probably worried but instead in her paradise. So, take the medal, take the sword, and bring them home. Perez's body is gone, but now you have a physical mementos. Magravac could only nod, the feeling in his heart's making it hard to breathe. And as he returned home, he decided that Perez's medal would go to the council for display on the new monument that they were erecting, but his sword would go to the station, a warning to those that looked upon them that the merchant of death would not take kindly to those 
that would threaten Perez's seedy joint. End of story. I hope that you enjoyed, and if you did, please consider subscribing. If you wish to support the author, there is a link to the original story, so pop over there and give him your support. If you wish to support this channel, however, there are a few ways to do so. The best and easiest would be to share this video with other people, as well as liking, subscribing, and leaving a comment. All of these things tell the algorithm that this channel is at least vaguely interesting, and that may share it with other people. If you wish to support the channel in some other manner, watching my other videos would also help tremendously. Or, if you really, really, really like, there is a link down below to leave a tip or to join the Patreon. Any and all support is very much appreciated. And I hope that you all have a good one until the next time. And I'll see you then. Cheers.